Hello and welcome to the Enneagram Typecast, where we discuss how to use the Enneagram in everyday life. We're here to talk type, rituals for growth, and staying grounded, open, and curious in the process of self-discovery. I'm Lee Milligan. And I'm Karen Burley. And we're both professionally trained Enneagram teachers in the narrative tradition. We're so happy you're here, and we want you to feel like you're chatting with friends. So settle in as we offer what we've learned, some personal stories, and general nerding out about all things Enneagram. Well, welcome back to the Enneagram Typecast. Today, we are going to be talking about the three centers of intelligence. And today, we are starting off with the gut or body center. Ooh. Um, in case anyone is new to the Enneagram, that's totally fine. Um, when we say there's three centers of intelligence, that just breaks up the core nine types into three little wedges. So even if you don't know your type, that's totally fine. You might just find it today um, or, or be able to narrow it down by uh, center. And also, it's important to note we all have all three centers. So mm-hmm. just because we say, you know, three of the types are in the, the gut triad, body triad, we're going to use those interchangeably gut and body um, as intelligences. They're slightly different, but not enough to matter that much to our language today. Yeah. Um, but everybody has a body, obviously, and we all have a gut center of intelligence. So even if you have no idea your type or you're not a body type, um, you can learn from what we're going to talk about today. So thanks for being here. Yeah. If you find your home center in the gut triad, the types that are included in there are types eight, nines, and ones. I'm going to just probably say gut more because that's what I, I, I typically say. But um, yep. That's funny. I say body. Okay. We're going to disagree, Lee. Are we okay with that as nines? I'm okay with it. Good. We're we're doing our work. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, with the gut center, um, again, types eights, nines, and ones, they're motivated by resistance and what's going wrong here. I feel like that's an easy way for people who are gut types. I found that very identifiable, even though I mistyped as a one for a while before going to nine. I receive information immediately through my body and my gut, and I have a very strong reaction to little things and big things. So that really helped me eliminate some other numbers fairly quickly. Um, yeah. was, that, was that true for you? Uh, no, I have been really out of touch with my body until the last few years. And partly thanks to the Enneagram, um, which also makes sense. Nines sometimes repress their body um, a lot. Mm-hmm. So it for but yeah, this is important information. It, it Our type t- will tell us how we receive information. Like you're saying, and the body center is the language is of felt sense and um, like physical sensations. So uh, intuition sometimes can show up that way um, is like feeling it in your body and a somatic work just means having to do with the body. It's huge in, you know, the therapeutic mental health world and coaching world now, as well as we know we have to include our bodies. Folks who lead with the body center, um, that's also where the core wounding is or I don't love the word wounding, but um, we're more sensitive to these things. So it has kept us safe and it's really important to body types that uh, to be, be in relationship with the body and, tr- and know that there's a lot of information coming in through the body. Again, everybody mm-hmm. gets information through their body, but if you're a body type, it can be really helpful to know that. Mm-hmm. 
and it can be primary. And I feel like there's also this sense of, of like being in your body is also being grounded. And so like, I feel like types eights, nines and ones, like nines can float away a little bit, but like, I feel like eights are super grounded and ones can also like go either way a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's the presence. And when we talk about like being grounded, it's really the body center gets conflated with like being all about action. And there is action that we do with our bodies. But uh, this is from Russ Hudson. Uh, He talks about how whether we're really inhabiting our bodies or not, because we can be doing things and be totally not present. We can be on autopilot. And I think about like I did some yoga classes every once in a while, like through high school, college after. And I literally remember the day that I did my first yoga class where I actually was like physically present. Like I really showed up and I, I Mm -hmm. really was like feeling it in my body and it was a totally different experience. So it's not just about doing things, but it's how in your body you are and how connected to the sensations and things you are. And there's so many good reasons that we disconnect or unfortunate reasons and traumas and teachings that take us out of our body i think western culture has been really like mind over body you know Mm -hmm. transcend the body like let go of it and part of what um, i love about the enneagram is for me it has one of the main things it's done for me is to get me back into my body Mm -hmm. yeah i feel that the same way as well because i had I had done some yoga, but I was trying to get into meditation and really had a hard time. I was struggling uh, with meditation. I was just like, um, we did a guided meditation with Helen Palmer too. And that was like a big jump in because that was like a 25 minute meditation or half an hour. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I can barely do this for like three minutes. And I was like being super critical of myself. I was like, I'm doing it wrong. Everyone else gets this and I don't. And (laughs) I was sort of struggling with it. And then somebody at one point was just like, you know what you might want to go do is hit a punching bag for five minutes. And I was like, what? No, I'm supposed to be over here being all zened out and like <laughs> getting into my body. And he's like, yeah, that might not work for you, though. He's like, just do something with your body that brings you in or lets stuff out. He's like, you're a body type. You got to figure out what your thing is. And it may be yoga. It may be meditation. You know, there's different practices and rituals that can work for different people. But um, that was so freeing, just letting me know that, like, I don't have to immediately be great at something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it gets so mental. I I think the body we start with as well, because it's the foundation. Like, Mm -hmm. if we're if we're in pain, like we know pain is makes everything really difficult, especially if we're trying to disconnect from it. There's all these studies um, and pain management clinics that have found when you actually lean into your pain and look at it and, you know, learn techniques to do that safely and in a supported way, it changes. Um, and, and instead of trying to avoid it or avoid our bodies, which is what I often do, um, it's like it's such a different experience to just be with it and to see it all as information. And so this is the ground we're on after and we'll talk in the next couple episodes about the heart center and then the head center. Body is a good place to start. And so I know for me in the morning now, I do a little bit of a movement practice even before meditation, yoga asana, I should say, what is Mm -hmm. to do before meditation, because you have to ready your body. So jumping right into meditation, uh, sometimes can help us disconnect even more. There are different types of meditation as well. But uh, that's why we start in the body. It's so important for all of us. And I think it did a great uh, full somatic Enneagram 
workshop with Marion Gilbert and it was whew, mind-blowing but <laughs> it, it, body types are not necessarily any better at being in their bodies um, than other types I think this is big work that um, I'm hopeful more and more people are doing as this information is more available yeah and we should also probably mention right off the bat this triad is also called the anger triad oh yeah uh, yeah. So if that resonates with you a little bit too, we'll speak a little bit how that comes up for, for each of the types. Um, so when I said I viscerally felt things in my body, a lot of time how I received information was an immediate like no response um, and or like, huh, what, why? Um, <laughs> um, so I would react strongly to other people's opinions or how their behavior was. Um, so that was like a little younger me before I had done a lot of work and, and that still happens today, you know, um, oh, yeah. from time to time. Like, this we're not, Yeah. Um, we're not but, trying to get rid of these things. We're trying to be more aware of them. Just, yeah. Aware of it. And then taking a pause. I think that's huge and key to really sit with the information before being reactive or reacting. Yeah. And the body is where it also it houses the, our boundaries. So this felt sense of no means that you're aware of some of your boundaries and boundaries are all about the perception of separateness. Um, each of the, the eight, nine and one do this very differently um, mm-hmm. where the eight has a big external but we'll talk about it later. We can talk. We can do it now. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I loved when I learned this. So, so the eight um, has a big boundary on on letting things in. They don't want to be affected by a lot. Um, and the one jumping over uh, to the one has a boundary ar- around letting things out. So they keep their internal experiences that they don't think are um, tasteful and good. They keep them from coming out. Mm-hmm. And the nine actually has both of those boundaries and sometimes none of them where they try <laughs> not to be affected, but also not to affect people too much. So kind of fi- finding themselves lost in this middle space of they call it the inner sanctum of, well, I'm not really, I don't, I don't want to feel too much and I don't want to um, force myself on others or sometimes letting go of all boundaries altogether and kind of d- diffusing and merging into other things. But the body center is all about these boundaries. And, you know, we've got physical boundaries of, of our body. Um, and if you believe in this stuff, you know, our energy body as well. And so it's all about being affected and affecting. And the thing with the body types is when our types take over, we don't use our force appropriately. Um, So body stuff is also all about life force, like how much is flowing through you? How much are you stopping and blocking and how much are you allowing? Um, Mm -hmm. Eights tend to put a lot of force out and try to control things and force life to be on their terms and ones try to control their own force so that their anger doesn't leak out and um, they don't want to be do anything that doesn't seem good and nines often won't put enough force forward and then sometimes they'll dig in with all full force making it look like they're not doing anything but really immovable (laughs) (laughs) that's so true that's a very good point I think eights just have this essence too in the, in the, we were talking about anger a little bit and power. It's very, it is based in control. It's got this like, don't fuck with me attitude. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. When I started seeing my own control as a nine, that was new. I, I, I didn't relate to that. Um, When the body description and my, my 
earlier coach who's an eight would be like, yeah, you're in the body center. Like what are you, you're trying to control things. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just, you know, letting it happen. It's fine. It's fine. And really recognizing the subtle forms of control and starting to notice how it shows up. Um, again, these are things that all of us do, but the body types, it's going to show up and it's going to affect our relationships and our life um, more often. Um, ones I think have a clearer sense of control that they people yeah. can tell they're controlled often they sometimes will stand up really straight and keep in their, their bottle things up often so you can see like that like through the body like ones are kind of like jaw clenchers a little tighter in the neck like especially body work is important for body people because I mean it's important for everybody but like I, I know a lot of people who are body types that like get regular massages to like deal with stuff and all of that is body work. So it's not like you have to do yoga and say, that's my body work. Like taking a hot bath is oh, like yeah. a huge, like if we're going to be nines for a minute, like it's just, <laughs> that is, that is a body exercise. And it's also a form of self care, but like you're relieving tension and muscles. Like it's, it's how you can let go of things. And so with the anger of the one having related to that a lot, you know, it's a lot of like right, wrong stuff. And then uh, when, when I was I, a, a lot of the nine stuff, you're like, no, I'm not like that. I was, that's how I read a lot of typical nine literature. And I was like, well, that can't be me. I kind of show up a bit more and I'm like, mm. and then someone was like, oh, nines are like, don't fuck with my bliss. I was like, oh, and that was my aha moment. Yeah. I mean, I think I notice I like hold my breath like sometimes and that's kind of me in this like weird control piece of like, I want to say something, but I should keep it in. But I um, and now I'm not breathing. And I wonder, mm. too, it sounds like you've been in touch with your body sensations, at least um, a lot, which is so cool to hear our different perspectives on it. So I wonder if you're more attuned to that in yourself. It's cool. Yeah. The other piece about the body center is it's all about autonomy. So the capacity to function independently. So it's it, these folks, especially in a work setting or relationship, they really don't, it comes back to control. They really don't want to be controlled. Ones and sometimes nines can be happy to go along. And eights too, if they trust leadership. But all these types need to trust the leadership before they're willing to do things for others. Um, I don't know if that's really true. I mean, nines, I think, can look funny around this because they'll look like they're agreeing to everything and doing everything. But really, when it comes down to it, if they really don't want to do something, good luck getting a nine to do it. Um, or if yeah. they are doing it, they're really going to be struggling in themselves internally. And oftentimes there'll be a moment of like, oh, crap, I have been totally neglecting myself. And mm -hmm. once they see that, it's no longer OK with them often unless yeah. they're numbing really well. Yeah, I think it's it respect is huge for for body types um, and boundaries. So obviously, the more you respect a leader or like even coworkers or I don't know, respecting your partner. I mean, this works through every facet of life. So, um, yeah, um, I've been working on setting clearer boundaries. That's definitely something I struggle with, even though in my mind, I feel like I'm a very opinionated person and I say everything that's on my mind and I get what I want. Like in reality, I'm like, no, that's a lot in your head. Um. <laughs> I thought about starting a podcast once that was called Unpopular Opinions to like kind of force myself to say out loud the things I, I think that not everyone does. And I couldn't even bring myself to do it because there's this real shame and fear around like what if people don't like it or what if it's not what if I change my mind because that's another thing that um that nines will often do yeah. but once you find that thing like those edges uh those boundaries those pieces that are so important it's like 
it's powerful. I think power is such a good word that you brought in as well, because these folks like eights have this understanding that if we if we put our power towards something, we can make anything happen. Like we can move mountains. And, and let's do it now. <laughs> and let's go. Yeah. And why aren't you with me? Come on. You yeah. know? And if you're not doing it, I'll, I'll go anyway. Um, and nines understand this power of, of true peace, like real calm and real um, understanding. And this sense, I, I keep coming back to this idea for nine of like everything belongs and mm-hmm. to me, what makes me angry is when people are exclusive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, it can all belong. And, and I've had to find where I do draw the line and where I do need to um, assert myself a little more. And then ones in the same um, way, they, they really understand like working hard and making things happen and getting things done and um, doing it well and doing it right. So this power that comes when you channel this energy toward a project, toward a team, it's always better when that life force can flow freely and can give feedback and we can make adjustments as needed. Otherwise, we're stuck in our type and we're going to have uh, relational challenges because mm-hmm. not everyone's coming from the same place. But this sense of power is huge in the body center. And it can also, like we're saying, show up as real groundedness, real cleared like felt sense of clarity of uh, no absolutely not we're not doing this yeah can i can i interject there a little bit um the, isn't that what this whole podcast is yeah like, you know, we're, i'm gonna never apologize again for interrupting <laughs> um or cursing uh but uh yeah i was i was trying to think of like the goodness of the body center and like the great things about all these types are i feel eights nines and ones deeply want people to be the best versions of themselves you know you get that with the one they also they want to be the best version they want others to like you know be better do better we can all get the world better like come on guys get in line like what are you doing and then nines like you said we're like you have that inclusivity thing and you know it's just like if we were more accepting and liked everybody and accepting you know and, like lifted people up and eights have that great strength too where it's like if people don't have or can't find their own voices i feel like eights really like come in and like like no I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for you because you can't um yeah and and also safety I think that it's also a protective piece because not having your voice heard or not um being represented or all of these pieces it it's really coming from this place of protection and again the few I I don't get I don't experience myself as getting angry that often and more so in the last few years as I've been working to notice it more but it's often on behalf of others. It's less about me, although certainly that gets triggered at times. But it's like, we should be doing it differently so other people can have what they need and be safe. And so yeah. especially, you know, let's bring in politics as nuns who don't always like to. Um, but it, the inclusivity around, you know, LGBTQIA plus folks, like trans folks, people who are marginalized in a number of identities. It's so, it riles me up because um, first of all, it doesn't make sense to me how people can hate them so much. It does more when I understand that there there are types and, and unhealthy patternings. Um, mm-hmm. And I can include that too in our uh, flawed humanity. But it's this resistance comes up of like, well, we got to change this. This isn't, this isn't okay. Yeah. And it's less heady, right? So it's not like a, an ideology or a theology or like you're just thinking about change. Like you feel it in your body 
that things should be a different way and your anger is that they're not. Um, and that, and yeah. I think anger in other um, frameworks gets a really bad rap. It's called like not a primary emotion. It's like, oh, what's underneath it and all that, you know, sure, we can, that's useful some, at times. But mm-hmm. it really, I loved, um, this is Peter O'Hanrahan. I heard, learned this from first, the definition of anger as being against what is. Mm-hmm. And I loved that because it's like, no, it's not that I'm personally mad um, it's that I'm against what is going on. I don't, I'm not in alignment with it. It doesn't work for me. It's not okay by me. And, um, I think there are, you know, ugh, for lack of a better word, productive and unproductive ways to, to channel that anger. Sure. Being passionate about anything is, it's a little bit dipped in anger. <laughs> totally. And Marianne Gilbert says, um, channel your anger into truth telling. Mm. And I was like getting shivers because you don't have to be mad at someone. You don't you don't have to take down an entire system single handedly or quickly or, or with urgency, which is another piece of the body center. It's immediate. It's right here. It's visceral. But channeling it into truth telling is a real skill that these types have where um, definitely eights and ones and a healthy nine can do this is just like being blunt and saying it how it is and being grounded, clear, and telling the truth. Yeah. And see, I know that that's your work, right? You always said, like, I want to say all the things I want to say. I'm on the other side of that, maybe it's the eight wing, where I've said lots of things and then can't take them back. So being able to say the thing you want to do in the moment can be a double-edged sword. Like it's, <laughs> Yeah, we see the patterns yeah. do protect us. You know, when yeah. I hold back, I, I do get into less confrontations. I don't have a ton of conflict in my life. Mm-hmm. And then that, on the other end, can be a challenge when I don't have deep relationship. But I, I think um, also then you're bringing in a great point of like repair work, Um Mm-hmm. is often uh, comes along with telling the truth and it can be amazing to speak truth to power it can also be isolating and it can require um there's a stubbornness of all of the body types uh that come in because they know so clearly in their bodies like what's right and what's wrong and often it um while it is is there's some truth in it about how they're feeling it's also conditioned so mm-hmm. when we're having these responses it's uh, and th- and as we get more into talking about type, it's like um, it's a natural inclination, but it's also conditioned based on what we've been taught, what we've experienced. So um, like ones can get a reputation for, for really thinking they're right all the time and needing to do some work around. Well, what what if this is relative and like what's what's the context here? And I think all the body mm-hmm. types um, can feel really strongly and then confuse their strong feelings with accuracy. Um, mm-hmm. And that when I say truth, it's complicated. My partner makes fun of me because he doesn't really believe in capital T truth, but I do <laughs> on some level of like, no, what's more true, like universally. And I get in trouble there. And that's my body type coming up of this stubbornness of what I think is true must be true for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so there's relative truth as well. And this is what happens when we start to parse what is my type. And what is like the urgency of my emotional experience and, and physical experience in the moment? And what is the context and what, who are the players? And if we zoom out, like what else is going on? So this mm-hmm. myopic like urgency can come up with the body types as well. Cause the body is here now it's immediate. And if you're panicking um, and you assume that every time you panic, it means there's some 
something right that you've done that someone else has done wrong, you know, you're probably going to get into a lot of uh, in- interpersonal challenges. Yeah. I would also like, like to focus on some of the higher qualities of, of the gut or the body types. Um, I-, I think there's a lot of presence in eights, nines and ones. And um, also they-, they speak to life force and energetic awareness. So that's not only like maybe in an eight, it's pushing out more. Um, and in the nine, it's going a little bit more internal, but there is like this great thing about having a large presence and being able to take up space with your body or your voice or your opinion. The and people also feel it. Yeah. Like, they just feel it from you, whether they know they are or not. It's a power. It's just, it's like, we're going to talk about superpowers a lot, but like, I think nines can do that a little bit with being, um, I mean, we're known as mediators, but seeing two sides to everything like that's that takes a lot of active listening. That takes just a, a calmness of being able to sit with someone and listen to them and take everything in. Um, we talk about yeah. nines, too. Like people know they're in the room, even when they go when we go into our heads and start thinking, I might as well not be here. Uh, nobody <laughs> cares if I'm here. People there's a physiological like sense of of the groundedness and I think it's fascinating I've been seeing this more and more like our types are often running even when we're not connected to the qualities of them so I get told I'm a calming presence even when I'm like super anxious um and I don't Mm. feel calm at all people are like you just seem so calm and that can be frustrating because I feel like they're not hearing what I'm experiencing (laughs) but it's also our type kind of doing its thing and that's this like grounded presence that um that just is naturally there in the body types yeah and it's nice like I I definitely had a hummy day yesterday (laughs) where I was (laughs) frazzled and and yeah a lot of people commented like you seemed like in the zone getting things done you did not seem rattled and I was like I was a hot mess like what are you talking about um but then on my days where I do feel feel more like like centered or calm or in a good place like I do find that people seek me out to just talk or tell their stories to or seek advice and I think that's a very typical nine thing that's like I don't know why um there's just room for it it just yeah. feels like there's room for it usually yeah. yeah somebody just wants some advice non-judgmental like we can see both sides of everything and then it's like you know you could do this you could do that like <laughs> da, 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 da. um where I feel like an eight you know an eight might be like you should just do this or don't let anybody fuck with you or you know I also seek out eights for that too as so I was like wait you know because there's different reasons you'd seek out um or you know you might just be drawn to somebody and not even know what their type is um yeah yeah and all the types have a presence but again this body yeah. center is is like um powerful and and another's um ability of the types is like kinesthetic abilities body types will be like athletes or really doing physical things they kind of um have this draw toward using the body in certain ways and it can be really um beautiful because when there's this flow of the life force uh there's a there's a grace there's an elegance like i i've seen um, like ones who are dancers and mm-hmm. I think it's really beautiful and a one who's some often you know there's restriction that comes along with dancing but like a nice free flowing dance is a beautiful way to, of like moving this life force around and um, yeah it's mm-hmm. like yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah I was also thinking when you're thinking about eights and being powerful and having to use their bodies like they also have a just a shit ton of energy and so like I don't know what that feels like because as a nine I feel like depleted a lot or like I want to go do things I'm like "Uh, I don't do I have enough 
to do that right now. And I feel like one of the things I admire about eights is like they always seem to have enough. Um, and yeah, maybe too much. And they got to get that out through movement. And then I, I love the idea of like ones doing dance or being a little bit more free. But there's also so much structure behind dance and like the right way to do. Depends on the dance. It depends <laughs> on the dance. And like, yeah. I love that for ones. Yeah. I also think when you said that, like ones think that they're right a lot. I also do think ones are right a lot. <laughs> so yeah, they see things. Yeah, but, and a lot yeah. of times, yeah, like you said, like you, they don't know whether to keep it in and tell someone. And and I think a lot of the work for sometimes for ones is just selling, saying it the right way, or you know, making things happen um, with a little, you know, a little more grace. Um, but I would definitely say, like a lot of my one friends, I was like, yeah, you're actually right. you're you're right most of the time. So I seek out their I seek out their opinions. Um, so yeah, and all of these things, it's like it's how you're showing up. So again, in the body, it's all about like how you show up. So even while a body centered person might have more of this stuff going on naturally, as a nine, I've been really embodied and powerful in in moments. It's not um, as common as I would like, but it it happens when I'm present with my body. And and eight can be really calm and really non-reactive and not um, overpowering and not overflowing with energy so it's work mm-hmm. it's learning to manage and uh, assess it act, uh, well in the moment like a lot of this work is about not about saying well I always do this so I always have to rebalance in that way but getting a clue of like I'm, I'm prone to doing this so keep an eye out but in some moments I actually need to rebalance in the opposite direction and I think that's been confusing to me as a nine because I'm like reading all these things and having all these great you know helpful tips of like speak up be louder do this do that and I have times that I'm speaking way too much and I'm too loud and I've got all these thoughts flowing and and it's like too much and um and then I feel so like scared after that I've hurt someone um but it's about assessing the moment accurately is is why we want to start recognizing these patterns but then like when we get to doing the work in the moment, you know, throw out the labels and just be with what is. And that's body center. Yeah. Also, the instincts live in the body. Do we want to talk about that? Um, sure. Yeah. We can talk about anything. Yeah. The instincts are a whole world, y'all. If you're like <laughs> new to the Enneagram, um, we, we should do entire episodes um, on the instinct. We will. Oh, we will. We will. <laughs> Lee's got it planned out. We're going to do it. Um, but they, they're housed in the body. And, and um, these are kind of this gut energy, like the gut level instincts. And these are things that we all have. Um, and they can really shape our type. Um, people call them subtypes when you have a dominant instinct paired with your type. But we all have all these all three instincts. And they're uh, the self-pres instinct, the sexual instinct, and the social instinct. Can I pause you right there? Because I just realized, like, on the last episode, we said what we were with uh-huh. our instinct, and we haven't on this one. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now's the time. All right, I'm Lee. I'm uh, yeah. I'm a social over sexual and self pres last. Um, and that might not make sense to you now, but once you figure out your main instinct, that's the one you put next to your number usually. And then the stackings are the order in which you use them in your everyday life. So usually, one instinct is a little bit overutilized. One's kind of like your go to. Don't even realize you know, maybe you're tapping it, it just comes naturally. And then your bottom one is kind of like called the blind spot or area you need to work on a little bit. So 
that's yeah. light level on instincts. Yeah, they're so cool. Um, yeah, and I lead with my sexual instinct, then social, then self-prez as my blind spot. Um, also, uh, just ableism language. I recognize that blind spot might not feel good yeah. at term to folks, and I haven't heard a better term yet, but I'm open to it. So if any listeners are like wanting to help us on maybe on maybe it's just the one that's hanging out in the shadows that you know you need to bring out into the the sun a little bit <laughs> shadow more. instinct shadow instinct well we got shadow work too we can talk about this but yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah very briefly the instincts we're, we're gonna do a whole thing on it but self-pres is like our survival like physical survival like food shelter um maintenance um uh, like routine home life money resources mm-hmm. it's and, and it's very like self-contained almost um and so people who lead, who lead with that instinct. Anyway, we shouldn't do all of this now, but they're all in the body. And they're like, <laughs> they're physically in the body almost. Like they, they kind of line up with chakras. If you look at that, the self-pres is like first chakra, like root. And then the sexual instinct um, is, so in the narrative tradition, they do call it the one to, one-on-one instinct, one-to-one. Yeah. I, I gotta be team Russ on this one. He's very adamant that like it is the sexual instinct. I think I also I concur. I also say sexual. Um, I feel like one to one was created for people who are uncomfortable with their sexual instinct, possibly, or just the the terminology getting used in sort of corporate sense. Because you know the enneagram is used in multiple disciplines, and a lot of times it is done in sort of like a corporate or HR way. Sometimes, yeah, um, and you gotta have accessible like yeah. language for the the yeah. context. But I, I'll we'll call it the sexual instinct. Um, it's also confusing one to one because because that I'm learning in my class right now. We're like digging in, and and that's more social instinct is this pair bonding. Um, but the sexual instinct is like attraction and repulsion and intensity and being drawn to things. And I'm like feeling mine fired up right now in this conversation. It's like creating this like channel between me and Lee and this podcast. Um, and I'm way more fiery in this moment than I often am because my sexual instinct is is ignited. So we'll talk more about that. But that's in the body too. It's like the second chakra. It's like sexual organs, um, and there's some other stuff that it does too. And it, you can have your sexual instinct ignited around a, a topic or an instrument or a hobby. It doesn't have to be a person. Yeah, um, it's a little edgier. So, so sometimes that's also con- you know confusing for me with my type because I'm like, as a nine, I'm real sweet, and as my <laughs> sexual dominant, I'm pretty intense. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the social instinct, and I realize I'm talking a lot, so after I say this, feel free to add, um, but the social uh, instinct is about, like, caring for one another, and it really showed up evolutionarily, it's like parenting and, and sticking around and, and supporting a family and having Tri- tribes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um, we'll go more into all of those, but those all live, and that's the third chakra, if people are into that, Um which is, is that like, oh gosh, it's not the, is it the sacrum? I get my chakras wrong. You're, you're, you're the only person with chakra knowledge. I'm like, I, that's, <laughs> I haven't dipped my toe in that pool yet. Um. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a yogi. Right. Um, but yeah, they're on the body and they're really instinctual. Which is why we call them the instincts or sometimes like the drives, they're instinctual drives. Um, it's evolutionary. It's almost separate from Enneagram. I mean, I think the Enneagram does a great job of like using this and drawing on it and outlining it, but Mm -hmm. it's like, 
if you never knew your Enneagram type or anything about the Enneagram, but you understood these instincts, I think that would be super helpful also. Yeah, I've been telling people more and more um, that I'm like teaching and coaching that like, you should probably just learn instincts with type. I'm not saying you should put one before the other. I'm just saying like, it's a half baked pie. If you don't, if you don't have that seasoning in there, you know? Yeah. Um, And I would say that also, here's a good time to talk about cultures. And like, those can show up differently obviously and influence people's lives, like how you're raised, what country or what part of the world you live in. Um, Is your lifestyle very social? Are you in tribe? And also the social instinct, I think can get a little confused. It doesn't mean that you like to be social also. So tons of social instinct people also don't want to go to your party. Um, (laughs) Well, it also can be like actively antisocial, but there's Mm -hmm. there's charge around the social realm. Yeah. Yeah. I also, one of my favorite things about the instinct, just to take it down to like a, a, a fun level, is that it's the first thing you like do in the morning. The first thing you think of when you wake up. Ooh. Like um, so that helped me understand the instincts a little bit more because I. Too. Yeah. My partner, for example, he wakes up and he's all about world news and he's on like eight text threads of different friend groups and he checks in with all of them. And I was like, oh, you're social. I mean, look at, you're just this beautiful textbook social. <laughs> but it's also like, yeah, it's, it's his instinct. It's the first thing that he happens to do. And like my friend who's self-pressed is like, oh, I, a coffee. I have to get coffee. I'm planning my day. I'm like, you know, my outfit, like all the things like, you know, I'm, I'm focused on like, what's the temperature is, is going to be today? Do I need an umbrella? Like, all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't do any of that. Like, I'm so self pres last. Uh, I'm more like, <laughs> how can I hit the snooze button? Uh, <laughs> one more your, there's your nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but bed is so nice. Um, I, I love that. My, um, my partner is very self-present, has very much routine, wake up early, mm-hmm. coffee, plenty of time, like routines, all that stuff, maintaining how he'll like do the dishes. He'll like, you know, make sure everything's clean and nice. And then, and I'm waking up also hitting snooze or staying in bed, but I'm like, what's exciting that's going to happen today? Like, what am I excited about? What? Mm-hmm. And and I got told this tip recently of like asking, you know, it, it could be not great to always be seeking um, sexual so, instinct is like seeking the juice, like seeking yeah. the heat and um, asking instead of like, what am I going to, what do I have to do today? Um, like, w- how do I want to design my day? to get me more into a creative space it's also more um connected with like creativity and um all this and sometimes like spirituality and and things like that uh but that's funny i also we just got a puppy on oh yay two days ago i didn't know you got a puppy (laughs) i know we got a puppy um go to i'll post on my instagram the good good uh, reason to come follow me listeners (laughs) um but we're now in social mode. Like we have a baby and she starts, I mean, we've only had her two nights. She slept through the night, fortunately, but she gets up at like 630, at least the last two nights. And it's like, wait, wait does that, she have a name? Yeah, yep. Her name's Penny. Penny. <laughs> she's just about four months and she's so cute. And I'll send you pictures right away, Lee. Okay. Um, but yeah, so now we get up and we have to think about our puppy because that's what's happening. So your instincts also came online in an evolutionary way. So uh, babies, they first are drawn to self-pres needs and food and sustenance and temperature and things like that. Then as they get older, they start to 
um, differentiate and get excited about like con- connecting with um, separate others and finding what they're interested in. And then as they get older, they start to understand, oh, there's family unit, there are other mm-hmm. people, there's uh, larger systems that um, I'm involved with. And then throughout life, we go through stages where one of our instincts often um, gets pushed to the forefront because of what's happening in life. So if you're dating, you might, your sexual instinct might be more alive. And if you're um, uh, in a place where you're like trying to save money or buy a house or do these things, like your self-present instinct might come up. Yeah. We should probably say here that while most people don't believe that your Enneagram number changes, I think we're all aligned on that throughout your life. You, you are your number or you leave with that type. Um, that your instinct stacking can change. Yeah, I just heard Russ Hudson say he used to think he was sexual and now he thinks he's a social and he doesn't know if if he was secretly always social or if that's changed over time. Mm -hmm. The the experts uh, are open. And we love that. Like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. And I think um, also I keep hearing people, people, often will think they're sexual when they're really a social because this like pair bonding and sticking in relationship um, is more social to some degree. So. I think it's one of the trickier instincts to figure out. I feel like self-pres for self-pres people is very obvious. Um, and then I think, you know, like people over identifying with type four who aren't type four. I feel like that's an Enneagram rookie mistake. I did it. I'll own it. Um, <laughs> uh, I also was like, I'm definitely sexual instinct. And yeah. the more I learned and thought about it, I was like, it comes natural. I mean, it's second for me. So yeah. it's like, it's there, but do I, do I focus on that as much? No. And not into the way that I feel like when you meet a sexual subtype uh, or like when you meet a body type, cause we're talking about body types, like you can kind of know or get that feeling. Like, I feel like you feel that with sexual subtypes. Also I identified as a sexual one wing two before just for fun um, because <laughs> I was so into subtypes at that time. I was like, well, that's the only way I can make one work for me because having this one instinct on top of this type makes me fiery and opinionated and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, cause I didn't really identify with one spoiler. I'm not a one. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I, I really tried hard to be one. Um, well, we, uh, the, we all think we're intense, right? Yeah. Like we all, and we all have intense moments and we all feel intensely. Um, but it's, it's the, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that more, but it's so instinctual in your body that it's, um, and the instincts, I think part of why they seem to shift is because, uh, we, can really work with them I mean we can work with our types too and they show up less um strongly but the the top one and even the top two it's like they're taking all our energy and it's distorted so I'll I would go into social situations and get so excited and want deep connection with every single person there and I would leave and be like exhausted and embarrassed because I tried to get (laughs) sexual instinct to like do the work that the social instinct should have been doing um and i'm learning as i bring in my third and this is a big piece of the instincts as you strengthen your your last one it evens out a little bit and it's a little less distorted and so when we talk about type when we talk about instincts um when you see them most clearly is when they're running the show and when they're kind of unruly and so sometimes like if i know someone's type right away 
um, which I, I try not to type people or uh, mm-hmm. too much, but sometimes it's just so obvious and, and it's a bummer because I'm like, oh, your type is running you. And I would love for everyone to have more groundedness and wholeness. And I love when I can't tell people's type and, um, and they're curious and it's like this whole process of self-awareness. So, yeah. So to bring that back to the three centers of intelligence, when you are talking about, you know, uh, five, six, and sevens are in are in the head center, and two, threes, and fours are in the heart center. And we'll be talking about those coming up next. But um, we also talk about using all of your centers. So when we say you need to go, you know, get into your heart center or get into your head center, um, or just you're you're basically moving from or you're trying to pull from the other triads that we're talking about um, as part of your growth work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think what in in each of the centers, one type kind of does the center outwardly, um, Mm -hmm. one kind of brings it in, and one is both dominant and repressed in the same center. So that's the three, six, and nine um, are dominant with their center. So they're receiving information through it. They're they're using it, but but they're often out of touch with it, or it can feel kind of slippery. It can feel kind of hard to access. And so typically, when you know um, where you're underdoing it you can like bring more energy there it's easier to bring something up than to relax something on its own right so in the gut or body center the dominant type would be the eight or the outward big energy out yeah Mm -hmm. yeah big power out control out it goes out onto everybody else yeah ones bring it in and they control themselves they have a lot of energy but it's internal it's almost like a motor that they use to like do a lot of work um, and then the nines are both like in in the body center, but repressing it as well. So it's mm-hmm. it gets tricky, and that boundary thing can come up. I also, yeah, it, there is an action element to the body center. I, I'm glad we're doing a rambly podcast, Lee, because we're all <laughs> over the place. But I hope how else will we do it? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good, it's a conversation. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's a, there's an action element. There's like doing doingness involved, and like even as a nine, it's like. I don't really like associating with someone who like does a lot because I'm like, no, being <laughs> is more important than doing. But uh, in the background, I'm like, what have I done? I've about to do all these things. There's like a right. to do list. There's an action orientation um, that comes from the body center. And uh, yeah, do you want to say anything about that? Well, when you're talking about doing, I, I, I want to touch a little bit on the anger aspect that's involved with that. Um, whether we like the word or not, <laughs> if you're comfortable with it. But I, I often, don't have to be comfortable. I'm so comfortable. <laughs> um, I, I admire that the eights are like, red, like readily express anger. And like, it's not even that big of a deal to them. So if you're in the presence of an eight and you're like, whoa, blown away by that energy, A, a little bit, like pause, take that in. Just, you know, believing that like, kind of like it's not a bad emotion it's not bad to have this amount of energy and it needs to be released and it and it just... can be channeled in a really really helpful way yeah yeah so I find that beautiful I find that strong I find that admirable and then nines you're going to avoid your own anger and the anger from others so that can sound or it used to sound like to me like the mediating the conflict and restoring harmony I'm like oh I do that in my family all the time I do that at work all the time but it sounded a little bit too Zen master for me, like <laughs> a little bit too chill. And I was like, I don't know. But when anger comes up for a nine too, they call it like the little dormant volcano. So like uh, when a nine can like blow their top or not channel, like you're saying, channeling the energy in your body in a healthy way, 
um, it can look a little bit like, whoa, where did that come from? That person's not usually like that. And then all of a sudden, like, bam, you're hit with all this stuff. And it is because it's kind of pushed down for a while. Um, And then for our ones, like, manifesting anger, um, I find that ones really are more comfortable talking about irritation as as a form of the word annoyed frustrated yeah resentment yeah anger is bad yeah and believe that you know anger is a negative emotion um and so if they can just get over it if i like i I wish i didn't feel like this anymore i'm frustrated i want to get over this like you know but i can't i can't let go of this because i have this need to fix things um and make things better and and that goes inward too with the inner critic and being like you know, there's a voice in your head telling you you're not good enough. And that's a lot to carry around. And people day. can feel it from from ones often like they can people can feel, oh, you're angry or like, oh, there's something going on under there, even if they think they're hiding it. And yeah. and I like this. So like what happens, like we were saying, you can't bypass it. If if there's anger there, it's not bad. First of all, that's conditioned. That's something that, you know, maybe your family believed, maybe our culture believes, like, and any and all of the above. Um, but it's really, like, needs to be addressed. And and I love that you brought in, like, the pause, like, notice that and pause um, and feel it, which can be hard and uncomfortable and is a main part of the work that we do with the Enneagram. We don't just learn this about ourselves for funsies. It's like we're trying to shift how we relate with ourselves. So we pause and, and we look at it. Um, and I just lost my train of thought. That's okay. I was just thinking that that comes up a lot for me in the sort of Instagram version of learning types. And if that's where you're at, that's totally fine. It's a lot of people get into the Enneagram in many different ways. And a lot of it is through like, you know, memification or like these little like four bullet points about, you know, this type structure. And while that's, that's fine to like get you in when you realize that, you know, a lot of those things are skewed positive or overly negative, or they're just, you know, stereotypes, um, to kind of be avoided because the work that's underlying in that to get out of your type structure or just, you know, to show up and be more an empathetic human and have compassion for, for more people. I, I feel is my goal with working with the Enneagram and it's helped me so much. Um, it's just being curious of like, you know, when someone does have a strong reaction or they're withdrawn and not having a reaction is just that pause that you're talking about where it's like, why? Or, and what can I look at here? What yeah. and and then this is body centered too. It's like what's within my control? Like what is something that I can work with without mm-hmm. having to overpower it or really can control it to to an an intense degree, but like what can I work with? What here is mine to do? And that's it, the doing. I think gut center equals a lot of doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I remembered what I was going to say, which oh, I think okay. fits here, which is when we don't address it, um, what what might start as frustration, it might start as just like, yeah, this thing kind of bothered me, um, can become anger if it's not addressed. It kind of deepens and it kind of gets into um, but our heart space, like from our from the head idea of like, oh, I'm just kind of annoyed at this to this this emotion of anger. And then when we push that down and we really don't deal with it or it's so much that we don't have the tools to deal with it, it becomes rage. It becomes Mm -hmm. and rage is is like in your body. And anyone who's done um, I've done a little bit of like somatic experiencing, which they also do some of in the narrative. It involves like 
finding the emotion and and physically shaking often which you don't have to do you have to allow because we're often like holding in our tears holding in our rage holding in and it and it lives in the body and um when we are ticked off about something and we we say we let it go but we don't really deal with it it is going to lodge itself into us and that is when we become rigid that is when we become inflexible and angry and against the whole world and and sometimes we turn against ourselves and our loved ones and it can be really um distressing and and so finding ways like what when Dale told you to hit a punching bag like my sister is also a nine and um she was like we, should, we gotta go to a rage room they have these like, <laughs> rooms now you can like smash things with a baseball bat and you know do all this stuff and I think it's interesting because and when I studied you know psychology they say like don't you know that's violence like if you watch a show a kid that you're like beating up a doll Mm. um they're gonna like think that's okay and I think there's again it's all like how you do it and and when and what it's for but the purposes if the purpose is of moving the anger through and doing something with it to let in order to let it complete itself and finish and release um mm-hmm. there'd be really really healthy expression so i my partner has started encouraging me to hit a pillow scream into a pillow um you know stomp my feet have an adult temper tantrum <laughs> as, as get, I, get primal yeah yeah get primal and it and like oh screaming feels so good even into a pillow or just crying that release of like this rage uh, and and this powerlessness that we can feel and like swallow down I think especially as women socialized women like we get told to be calm and nice and go along and not be not upset anyone and Mm -hmm. uh, I was I could not find my anger when I first learned that that was part of my work with Enneagram I was like no not me like no no everything's fine and years into it I, I finally started being able to be like oh wait a second if I can just relax my rigidity around it and this rigidity can be part of the body center and just allow it it will come out and then it leaves my body and then I'm not holding it and then when something does irritate me it really stays at irritation instead of becoming resentment or rage yeah because I was thinking about my own my own you know always more a little bit sounds like a little bit more in touch with my rage in my body but uh the the times as a woman crying at work in the bathroom so a no one would see but also like mad at myself that I was crying (laughs) oh yeah and just being like actually like later in life maybe you need to do that also maybe you should have had better boundaries or you know do done all the other stuff you weren't conditioned to do so you wouldn't be crying in the bathroom and now I've reached this enlightened fuck it level uh, (laughs) of it's like you know if you need to have a good cry at work or if you know like don't beat up women for certain things like don't put labels on people like also don't treat people shitty hopefully that doesn't happen at your office but of course it does it's going to come up and um I used to get you know, even when I'm, when I'm angry, a lot of times it moves through me to crying. Which is valid. Yeah. It's a release. It's part of, it's a bodily function. It's, you know, it's, it's part of like your chemistry and your makeup and And, it is a way to release tension. And breath Um, work I've found has been really good for this too. Oh yeah. We didn't talk about breath work. We'll talk about it in the heart. I've learned that it can really help. It's more of an emotional release, which is an emotion. But it's funny. I, I remember in, um, 
college at, when I was home for the summer, I worked at this like restaurant of a tennis club and it was very fancy. And they hired all these kids who had no experience to like wait tables. And I remember this girl like crying in the bathroom when maybe someone said something not nice or something. And I remember like, ju- like judging her vaguely, which I, I don't love that I did that. But I, I was like, ugh, like this isn't that intense. It's not that serious. Fast forward to a few weeks later, I messed up some order and someone had harsh words with me and I kind of got in trouble and just bawling in the bathroom and so mortified that I I wanted to be unaffected. I wanted to not be, um, you know, have these feelings and then here they are. And now, yeah, it's just a little bit different. And so we are encouraging people in spaces where they feel um, supported, whether that's alone, like feel your feels, y'all. Yeah. Like, do it. <laughs> And, and I love like co- coaching spaces and therapy spaces. I've actually, um, one of my mentors, um, she invites me to continue to make eye contact while I'm feeling a lot and while things are mm. moving through and it's really hard and I've gotten better at it, but, um, staying related while feeling this can really rewire some of that shame, some of that belief that like we shouldn't have rage, we shouldn't have anger, we shouldn't have this frustration we should just push it aside is letting someone see you and be seen while doing that can be huge so if you're considering coaching counseling like do it do it find someone you feel safe with um yeah also reach out to me I'm I love this work everyone um (laughs) (laughs) body center is I think I don't know did we get it all I feel like we're good Um, I also want to advocate for mental health and I'm also in therapy. So the more we can normalize that and going and doing the things that we need to do to make living in this world better um, and make us better humans and better to other people, all four, all four on this podcast. Totally. Cool. Well, I think we've got our work set out for us if we want to keep up with all this good stuff in the next episodes and we hope you will join us for this ride. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Lee. All right. Bye. Bye. That's a wrap for this week's episode. As always, I'm Lee Milligan. And I'm Karen Burley. And we hope this episode expanded your Enneagram knowledge. If you enjoyed hanging out with us, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, and leave a review to let us know what most resonated with you. And you can always find us on Instagram at Enneagram Typecast. Stay curious, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Enneagram Typecast.